following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Herfman. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. <laughs> I think Jackal's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you again. The Jackal. Welcome one, welcome all, welcome friends, welcome foes to another exciting episode inside the Jackal's Head right here live on psn-radio.com and of course soulfloorradio.com. I want to welcome everybody who's listening in on this very quiet September 17th, 2020. And of course I say that in jest because this hasn't been a quiet year at all. As we all know, this has been, uh, 2020 has been one of the most hectic and hyperbolically and actively or actively crazy years in modern day history and it doesn't get any easier week by week folks and i know some of you may be sitting back and uh, expecting to hear the round table tonight got some uh, news to shed on all of you who might be uh scratching your head as to why you heard inside the jackal's head intro instead of the round table uh so let me start off with that piece of news and uh, let's see how this goes. Now, for the last several years, we've been doing the, the show, The Roundtable, right here on PSN Radio. And uh, as of uh, this past week, I've decided to retire myself from the show and uh, move on uh, to other things, which include spending more time on this show, The the, uh, the Jackal's Head, uh, or Inside the Jackal's Head. And... Um, Really just concentrate on my main uh, podcast and, of course, the, the other ones that I produce over the week. And uh, really move away from, uh, you know, shows that I was putting a lot of attention into, but other people weren't as interested in continuing, uh, which is this show. Uh, it's become kind of like uh, apparent that, uh, you know, the, the other guys just were not into it anymore over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, actually, the last several months, really, and uh, because of that, I kind of took the initiative and kind of let the uh, the gang loose. And uh, now I'm doing this show by myself on Thursday nights, and uh, it's an extension to the uh, Jackal's Head. Now, with that said, there's no animosity or any beef between any of us. Me, uh, Zod Ryder, Johnny Alpha, we're all still good buddies. We're still good friends. Uh, that's not changing. In fact, Johnny uh, will be uh, doing a segment here on Inside the Jackal's Head in the, probably once a month, uh, more or less, where he's going to give us an update on what he's working on when it comes to his graphic vandalism uh, design. Uh, podcast on YouTube and uh, uh, you know he talks about graphic novels and uh, you know stuff that he really uh, is into and uh, we're going to have him on uh, to give us an update on not only his podcast but anything news related in the world of comics that he wants to talk about. Uh, Zod Rider of course you can still hear him live on PSN radio on the Zod Rider show and uh, he has his uh, four nerds on uh, YouTube and other stuff he's working on. So everybody's kind of been busy. There's uh, you know, no interest from those two dudes to continue the uh, the roundtable. So, uh, again, I've decided to bring the show to uh, the Jackal's Head on Thursday and Sundays full-time now. And uh, for now, you're going to hear me on uh, live on both nights with guests. And, uh, of course, bring you more up-to-date news and information from around the world. Because, folks, the world needs our voice more now than ever. It is a scary situation we're living in. And with that said, i got to say goodbye to the old and hello to the new. And uh, the new is uh, the new night, the new time, 
Uh, well, the time stays the same. It's still 10 p.m. That's not going to change. 10 p.m. Uh, to midnight here on the uh, show on Thursday night of the uh, the roundtable. 10 p.m. to midnight. It's just now you're just going to hear my voice instead of hearing the other two guys on a regular basis. And, uh, of course, anybody who uh, wishes to ever call in is more than welcome to join the party on Inside the Jackal said. Now, tonight I do have a returning guest to my show, which is somebody who I absolutely adore. And I've known him for about a decade now. And uh, he's a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, and I say that really because this uh, this man is really one of the nicest uh, people that I've uh, met uh, while doing podcasting for the last decade. His name is Mark McKenna. He's an illustrator and an absolute icon in the world of comics and uh, illustration. He's worked on thousands of pages uh, for DC, Marvel. Of course, he had his own uh, line with Banana Tales, and, but just a very, very uh, kind and uh, humble uh, person and uh, somebody I'm very honored to uh, call a friend. Uh, I had uh, him scheduled to be on on Sunday. Unfortunately, we had been uh, losing power because we had the thunderstorms and all kinds of things going on over the uh, past week. And uh, not good stuff. Uh, you know, we luckily we didn't really get the eye of the storm in my area. But it brought enough thunderstorms that it knocked power out for hours at a time. And I was worried that was going to happen. And sure enough, uh, I think it was like a couple hours before or an hour before the show was supposed to go on, I lost power to about 9 in the morning the next day. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have spent time in an, uh, an apartment or a home uh, with, with no power, you know, when there's power outage or whatever. But it was hot and sticky down here in Florida, man. And let me tell you, I couldn't go outside because it was rainy. I couldn't do much. I kind of had to bear it out and couldn't get much sleep. So by the next day, I, was, I felt like I was hungry over and I had no drinking uh, done at all. Uh, so imagine. Uh, but luckily we got through it and we uh, didn't get hit too hard and uh, you know everything's okay. Uh, but Mark is going to be, uh, was gracious enough really to uh, accept to be on tonight a few days after the uh, Sunday night uh, shut down by the uh, powers that be up way up in the heavens and uh, and of course the electric box to blow up in the building but uh mark very gracious to move the show up to uh this thursday today and uh, he's going to be on with me at the end of the hour and uh, again i look forward to having him on he's been on several times with me in fact uh going way back years and years ago the one of the first um uh, shows that i did on video was for a company called invest comics uh, invest comics uh was uh, a brainchild of investcomics.com. I can't remember the uh, gentleman's name right now who uh, was putting it together. But anyway, he has seen a video that I put on YouTube and really liked it. He uh, went and heard some of my podcast and then liked it and uh, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, would you like to uh, host a video show for us for Invest Comics? And uh, I said, yeah, you know, why not? I'll do uh, some video stuff for you. Um, they had not really, like, dip their toe in anything podcast related and uh they kind of used me as a guinea pig to do the first couple of shows and see how it went and uh they gave me a list of uh, people that i wanted to have on and literally the second person on the list was mark mckenna uh and i said oh okay we're gonna stop right there uh mark mckenna is the uh, only person that i'm interested in. you don't have to go any further and they're like really you know mark and I'm like, do I know Mark? No, not personally, but I know of him, and uh, he's been 
uh, and illustrated some of my uh, favorite uh, graphic novels, uh, including the uh, Grant Morrison run on uh, Doom Patrol and a bunch of stuff that I'm really into. And they're like, you know about Doom Patrol? And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually a Doom Patrol fan. And uh, at the time, I had no idea about Banana Tales or anything like that, but uh, they were able to hook me up uh, with uh, an interview with Mark, and uh, shout-outs to them for making that happen, because uh, really, uh, he's become a good friend over the years, and uh, just, uh, again, a, a very, very uh, talented human being. And I'm going to get to ask him uh, what he thinks of the TV show, Doom Patrol, because I love it. I've been catching up, uh, you know, on the last few episodes, uh, because I kind of missed, uh, you know, when they aired on TV, so I, I, you know, went ahead and saw them online, and uh, it's a fantastic series. Uh, the second season is as good as the first. I mean, this is one of the best uh, TV shows on on streaming right now, and uh, on TV, uh, which is uh, going into the third season now, coming up uh, probably uh, in the next uh, year. And uh, just a great, great, great series. If you guys haven't seen Doom Patrol, by man, do it. I mean, it is, again, a phenomenally well-put-together series based on the graphic novels. And, uh, you know, it's funny because DC produced Doom Patrol, and a lot of, uh, a lot of fans for years uh, have, been, um, have been talking about how Doom Patrol was the original X-Men and how X-Men copied Doom Patrol. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, on that field and on that bus for a long time, and I still am, where I do think that if it wasn't for Doom Patrol, you would have not gotten X-Men. Now, they're vastly different in a lot of areas, but they're also very much very similar in a lot of areas. And it's always fun to, like, catch up with people that were there, you know, in the beginning of certain characters who, you know, were a part of illustrating or writing or, or had a run in some of the uh, the Doom Patrol stuff because, you know, they, they were a part of the process process of making it great for us diehard fans so uh getting to talk to him, uh mark over the years has been just a phenomenal pleasure and again he'll be on with me at the end of the hour so i look forward to having him on i have uh, some news to get to we have a lot of stuff that's happened over the last few days uh since i wasn't able to do the show on sunday uh one uh, big thing that dropped last week was the president donald trump has been nominated now in uh, the span of, uh, what, a month for two Nobel Prize Awards, okay? That's not one, but two Nobel Prize Awards. And uh, this is uh, something that I think the left does not want people to know about because it's gotten no coverage anywhere. Amazing, right? It's something positive about the president doesn't get coverage in the media. Are you shocked? I'm not. Uh, the hateful... Hating Trump media will not cover this stuff, folks. Uh, but it's covered on my website. If you guys want to read along, go to angelespino.com, and you'll be able to read it right there. And, uh, well, it says uh, he's still winning. That's me writing it, by the way. President Trump's uh, foreign policy success have resulted in him being nominated for a second Nobel Peace Prize in less than a week. Now, I wrote this uh, a few days back, so while well, he's got little credit for it and uh, the corrupt domestic media, Trump's breakthrough in uh, brokering a deal between Serbia and the Kosovo for the restoration or normalized or normalized uh, economy economic relations is being uh, is really a, a big thing and it's been uh, overshadowed by all the negativity, of course. Now, on Friday, Swedish par- parliament member. 
uh, Mengus Jacobson announced that he was going to nominate the POTUS 45, the administration uh, by led by Mr. Donald Trump, the president, as well as uh, Serbia and uh, Kozov for the honor. According to Jacobson, he said here, I have nominated the U.S. government and the governments of Kosovo and Serbia for the Nobel Peace Prize for their joint work for peace and economic development through the cooperation agreement signed in the White House. Trade communications are important in building uh, blocks for peace. And the deal is proof that diplomat the, the, the diplo- diplomacy yeah that's a tough one the deal is proof that diplomacy works and that having a successful businessman instead of a crooked politician as the nation's top negotiator can really pave the way for peace now one fox news uh, insider said trump gets a second nomination for a nobel peace prize and nobody's talking about it this is very true um i mean again this is uh an award that he's gonna probably uh be uh, nominated and receive if he wins it, which I'm pretty sure he will. He's one of the two. Uh, he'll be receiving it by 2021. And uh, it says here he has received a second nomination for 2021 Nobel Peace Prize after helping secure the deal for normalized economic relations. Again, he's bringing peace to the Middle East, guys. That's basically what he's done. And uh, the four years now that he's been in office, he's uh, really started no wars, killed, you know, Baghdadi and Soleimani, and, and took them out of uh, the reign of terror uh, without starting wars. He, of course, said there's a little uh, going with uh, the uh, the infamous... One and only Kim Young Il or Kim Young Un, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Kim Young Un, the Rocket Man, uh, who we don't even know if he's alive or dead. Like that's uh, another thing we, nobody really knows at this point. They, there's so much coming out of Korea that we have no idea on. Uh, but uh, he might be alive, he might be dead. Who the heck knows? But yeah, President Trump nominated for his second Nobel Peace Prize award. So how's that sitting with you, uh, all of the uh, listening audience? Two Nobel Peace Prizes in one year? In less than a week and a half? That should sit well for the uh, upcoming election. If only the media was telling you that this is happening. Now, as you guys know, just from listening to my show over the last uh, you know year or two, I voted for Trump. I am a Trump supporter. But, with that said, I'm not a Republican. And there's some misconception going around, and uh, this is uh, something that's been happening uh, on SoFlo Radio more than anything else, uh, by a person who is uh, a longtime member of the network and a friend of George, the late George Rodriguez, who uh, has, uh, I guess, a misconception of who I am and thinks I'm some kind of right-wing nut lunatic Trump supporting you know racist nazi bigot now folks uh let's start off with uh you know the whole racist nazi bigot i'm cuban not racist not a nazi not a bigot uh and definitely you can't be a cuban mixed with black asian and uh be born in cuba and uh be considered a nazi that just doesn't work that well uh but the person who made the claim is a very highly confused individual who uh, went on a uh, private chat and uh, made a, a bunch of claims on me and i was uh you know just looking around and uh, snooping around and i came across the uh, conversation and i was shocked because this is somebody who i've had nothing but uh, good remarks over the years for and uh, very sad to hear that uh the their idea of me is that i'm some kind of a racist right winger where i've never shown any racial uh 
you know, uh, dialogue on my show. I've never been racist towards anybody that I can think of, anyway. Um, let's see, the network has not become a, a Trump uh, stomping ground. Uh, even though I am a Trump supporter, I am not, again, registered Republican or Democrat. Now, I was on the Democrat uh, plantation for a long time, and in 2015, I left the plantation. I uh, demoted myself to independent. Uh, I'm neither a Republican or Democrat. I'm an independent thinker. I'm an independent voter. And uh, I choose my candidate as I choose my fine wine. Whoever smells the nicest is getting my vote. And uh, really in 2015, 2016, there was not another candidate that spoke the language that I wanted to hear more than candidate Donald Trump. That's why I voted for the man. I voted under what he was running as policies that made sense to me as a voter. And for that, of course, you know, the left wing has, uh, you know, spent the last four years trying to besmirch, impeach, overtake, and destroy his presidency. And now the uh, the game is not just a foot against this man, but it's against the entire country. Uh, this country is under siege, folks, and uh, it's become more and more clear as the days go by that what we have in store is not pretty. From former First Lady uh, Michelle Obama warning us that if we do not vote for Joe Biden, guess what's going to happen? More riots, more looting, and more of the same old, same old. And even if we vote for Joe Biden, to expect more of the same. Now, how does that sit with you? That, folks, is a dire warning that things are getting bad because they want to overtake the government. Now, if you listen to a lot of the rhetoric that comes from uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all these groups that are causing terror, you would see that their uh, big motive is to really overtake the government. I mean, they've made no bones about it. They've said it from Lilith uh, Sinclair to others who represent Antifa and uh, BLM and uh, Sean King and all these guys. Uh, They've made no bones about it. They want to overtake this government. This is what they're planning. Obama's behind a lot of this. George Soros is behind this. Remember, George Soros has spent decades now making billions of overthrowing governments, he's that's how you know that's how he makes his money. He, he makes money by overthrowing governments, taking money for himself, and doing it to other countries. He's done it, and he's funded a lot of these uh, these movements over the course of decades, from Venezuela uh, to you know uh, Russia uh, when they uh, overthrew the government, and now that that government was overthrown because he wanted to put more of his people in play and didn't work out too well. Remember, that's where the USSR was in place. He was behind a lot of that. Now, while you might think, well, that's a, that was a good move, the USSR, you know, they destroyed that. But, you know, look what happened now. Everybody still hates Putin, right? So what has really changed? He just uh, implemented uh, his way of changing things into the one world government that he wants to help implement. And that's what this is all leading to. This is leading to the destruction of the U.S., destruction of the West. Uh, It started off uh, in Europe. It started off uh, going all around the world, and now it's here. 
And the only way that we can defeat these uh, these evil entities is by not allowing them to get in position of power. And that goes with you, the individual, going to the voter box and making your voice heard. This universal mail-in vote that they want to implement, it is the biggest Trojan horse this country has ever seen. And I mean that. When I say that, I really truly mean that. Uh, people don't understand how just deep the deep state is and how corrupt and crooked you know these people are uh they really have uh, this fantasy land they live in this land of pure imagination where they just do not understand that they've been lied to they've been bamboozled they've been run amok and yes as the saying goes and the quote goes they didn't land on plymouth rock plymouth rock is landing on their head and one man who is dumb as a rock is joe biden and he's the perfect puppet to lead them because he is senile he's you know he's losing it i mean he was never the sharpest knife in the drawer when he was in his prime but now he's really just off his rocker i mean if you listen to biden uh i mean the guy's just uh he's he's a nut he's completely nuts i got um audio that i want to play in fact uh, from uh ukraine call that just uh, leaked recently which has uh, joe biden talking about uh you know some of the stuff that is going to happen down the road and this is uh, back in uh, i think 2015 when he was talking to the then prosecutor of uh, ukraine remember the uh, the prosecutor that the uh, they said oh well if you don't fire this uh, this person who's looking into my nephew or my son i'm sorry my son hunter biden if you don't uh, and he didn't say it like that but he said if you don't fire the prosecutor you don't get the billion dollars but if you do you you get the billion dollars remember that remember that phone call well check out this phone call with uh ukraine's uh president at the time and he's talking about firing the top prosecutor and uh, this is a leaked audio phone call, guys. You can really hear Joe Biden at his own words. Pay attention. Hey, Petro, Joe, how are you? Very well indeed. As usual, when I hear your voice, my dear friend. Tell me about your conversation, if you can, with, um, with Trump. I, I told him a very, quite, quite a big number of positive things, which... Uh, President Obama and current administration do. <laughs> and, and, but, but frankly speaking, frankly speaking, I waited, I expected much colder conversation, and it was quite sincere and quite warm. Good, good. Look, this guy, you know, there's an expression in English. You know how dogs always chase buses or cars down the road? You know, they'll, they'll, a bad dog will chase a, chase a car down the road. Yeah. Well, this is an expression in English. He, he, caught, he caught the car. And yet, and like, he's the dog who caught the car. He didn't know what the hell to do. He, he doesn't know what the car's made of or what's in it. So uh, we, we have a real chance here of uh, making him a hero. Now, what the hell is Joe Biden talking about? Making him a hero, a dog, catching him down the road. I mean, what exactly is Joe Biden talking about? Nobody knows, right? I mean, but that's him. Uh, again, and uh, the early audio was uh, an introduction to that piece, uh, which shows, you know, his behavior. And uh, it shows how he likes smelling young girls. Uh, and this is him directly talking to, again, on a leaked conversation folks and he's talking uh to uh, uh you know a, a politician in ukraine about the president elect 
Donald Trump and about what they're going to do to the country and making him look like a hero. And of course, he's being sarcastic. And of course, this is the corruption that Trump was talking about when he talked to uh, Zelensky. What is his name? Oh, Zelensky, Zelensky. I don't know the uh, the current president of Ukraine. And he's talking about, hey, you know that uh, corruption that happened during the uh, last election. What do you guys look into that? Because you know there was a lot of corruption. I don't want you to go through that again. And uh, a perfectly good phone call got turned into this nightmare where it became part of the impeachment process, uh, which it did not need to be at all. Um, in fact, that whole impeachment nonsense was uh, total baloney and blown way out of proportion. But of course, that's what you know happens with the uh, these things. Uh, they have nothing to talk about, so they create something out of nothing. When Joe Biden is actually guilty of doing far worse and plotting and scheming, and now he's just losing his mind. So now when you hear him talk, it's like, you know, he's just not there anymore. And it's it's really sad when you hear, you know, people like Joe Biden do these things and uh, get away with it for many, many years, and nobody checks up on him. And remember, this is the guy who said this about China, okay? China, who is a, a disaster, and China, who is a communist country. We're not trying to contain China. We're not trying to slow down Chinese growth. The growth of China is overwhelmingly in our interest. He said it's overwhelmingly in our interest. So China's growth and prosperity is somehow overwhelmingly in our interest. How is that possible that China, of all countries, is in our interest to make them wealthy? It's not in our interest, folks. In fact, the more that you think about it, who is the biggest player right now when it comes to spreading this virus? China. This, uh, from all accounts, came out of Wuhan uh, uh, in China, uh, came out of a laboratory in China. In fact, I have another audio clip I'm going to play in a second, which is of a whistleblower directly from China who talks about this. Uh, so going back to you know my earlier uh, you know reasoning for bringing this up is you know we got to look at these things in perspective and why I support Trump and I will not support Joe Biden and I will not support Kamala Harris and there's many reasons for it and why I completely resolved myself from the Democratic Party and I, I you know this uh, hashtag walk away movement that's been going on for a while now. And I was not part of that originally, but I support it and I endorse it because I was Democrat and I walked away. Before that hashtag was ever popular, I walked away years ago. And I support anybody on the Democratic Party who decides to open their eyes and walk away from the disaster they're implementing. If you don't believe that they're behind everything, then you're naive. They're behind Black Lives Matter Antifa and who are causing all the riots Black Lives, Black Lives Matter and Antifa who is feeding these people money George Soros Act Blue and a bunch of other corporations now Act Blue is very interesting because Act Blue if you go deep far enough they're funded by George Soros they're a part of his corporation uh, that funds money out to smaller companies Act Blue is one of them now what Act Blue does is they 
collect money and then they give it back to candidates in the Democratic Party and other platforms that they want to endorse. Mostly heavy Democrats, uh, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren have all taken money from them. Black Lives Matter, by technicality, cannot make money on their own. So what they do is that whatever money they get donated to them, they give it to Act Blue, which launders the money, gives it right back to them. Boom, that's how they get funded. Very simple. Very simple. So they just donate the money directly to Act Blue, and then Act Blue gives it to Black Lives Matter. And they do the same thing for Antifa and all these other leftist anarchists who are going out and destroying our cities. And notice they're destroying heavy liberal cities. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a liberal. It's extreme liberalism that is causing this. It's not just your regular liberal Democrat. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, in fact, a lot of the values of this country are liberal values, and that's fine. Uh, just like conservative values, they're fine. But the problem is there's extremists on both ends that end up with the same end, which is communism. doesn't matter if you're a, a liberal socialist Democrat who says, well, I, I'm a socialist because I'm a liberal, I'm a, a little bit extreme or whatever. When you start getting into the extreme level of socialism, you're always going to end up back into communism. That's the road that leads directly to communism. Just like the alt-right, as they like to venomize the alt-right, and uh, they, they say, well, the alt-right leads to the KKK, and that leads to communism. Guess what? They both lead to the same thing. Hate, Marxism, communism, global takeover. You catch what I'm saying? And... Antifa has gone on the record as saying that they are Marxists. They're a Marxist group. So has Black Lives Matter. They're a Marxist group. These organizations that are led by Marxist ideology. They don't care about you as a person. They don't care about people in general. They care about power, money, and keeping the global cabal in effect. That's what they care about, folks. They care about keeping their agenda in full effect and destroying anybody who gets in their way. This is why Trump is so hated by you know these groups, because he is literally an outsider who had a glimpse of what the inside was like and said, I am not with that. I'm a capitalist. I'm a businessman. I enjoy life. Uh, I want to do you know, what's right for the, go- for the country. And he... He literally has been doing a very damn good job to Nobel Peace Prices in one month. Uh, he's done a very good job as president. When you consider that from the moment he got into office, he was under impeachment. He was under investigation by fake phony dossier, uh, which was created by Hillary Clinton and the uh, Christopher Steele, uh, you know, uh, led people that included uh, Adam Shifty Shift. Who, of course, when he uh, got involved, uh, he started, uh, you know, the whole impeachment process. And he is the one that really made a big deal with Ukraine. Remember, when things went south on the Russian collusion deal, they had nothing and they realized there's nothing there. Adam Schiff was uh, on the forefront with a supposed whistleblower, right? And this whistleblower, who he didn't want to name... Even though we all know his name is Eric, he but he didn't want to name him. His this whistleblower, he made up a call, 
And he said, this is what Trump said. When Trump never said this, and if you read the transcript of the call, if you listen even to the uh, the the person from Ukraine who was talking to Biden and the call I played earlier, what did he say? Well, yeah, he, t- he talked to Trump, and it was actually a very pleasant phone call, right? Same as the president uh, Zerolenko or whatever his name is from Ukraine. Now, when he spoke to Trump when he was interviewed, he said, "Yeah, it was a pleasant phone call. I don't know, there was nothing." out of the ordinary about it. It was just a normal call. It was very pleasant. The transcript, when you read it, it just seems like a pleasant phone call. But the left wanted to get him impeached because he said, do us a favor, look into corruption. Now, if you think about that logically again, why would the press and the left get so bent out of shape when a president is asking another president to investigate corruption and make sure it doesn't happen anymore? To you know, do that for the people because that's really what this guy ran on in, in Ukraine, that he was going to bring this change to the people. He was going to be transparent. He was going to weed out corruption. That's the platform he ran on. So when Trump has the conversation with him and says, "Do us a favor and really can you uh, look into this corruption that's happened before, so it doesn't happen again," as the meddling that happened into our 2016 election from the Ukraine, from China, and other other places that we know about, uh, that at least are you know talked about. Of course, the media only runs with Russia was the only one that did any meddling in the campaign. Nobody else, just Russia. Could it have been Ukraine? Could it have been China? No, 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 no. Just Russia, because they're the big, bad boogeyman. Putin should have, like, a, a boy band called the Boogeyman on the Block. That should be the, the name of his boy band. Putin and the Boogeymans. Now, going back to why I started this, the, the person on Sofa Radio thinks that I am all about this that I, I am a Putin-loving communist. And that couldn't be further from the truth, guys. In fact, no president has been harder on Putin than Trump. Obama didn't do nothing about Putin because he wasn't president, I believe, yet. Uh, or maybe he was. I'm not 100% on that. He could have been already president. But I know that uh, he was around when Bush uh, Sr. was around, when George Bush Jr. was around. Obama was around, when Clinton was around. I mean, Putin's been in the scene for a while. And none of these guys had an issue with uh, Putin until Trump became the president, right? Even Hillary Clinton met with Putin several times. and was very friendly and chummy with him. I know, I've got the pictures. I've seen them. So why now is it that Trump... You can't even mention Russia without them saying, you see, there is collusion. Collusion. And if you vote for Trump, you're a Nazi, racist, hypocrite. Now, if Trump is a Nazi, why didn't he put Israel in the middle of Jerusalem? Why, why did he move the uh, the embassy to uh, Jerusalem? Why did he do that? Why are the Israel people in, in love with Trump? Why did he bring peace in the Middle East? Like, why would he do these things if he's such a, a racist xenophobe and he just hates the world? And he's a dictator. Evil. Donald Trump. Bringing peace to the world. The guy who they said was going to do nothing but bring war has brought nothing but peace. The guy they said who wouldn't concede the election won the election and the left doesn't want to concede the election. The left are the ones that still cannot get over the fact that they lost 2016. And are using 
every measurable way possible to not only rig the 2020 election, but they, they're like, screw it. We know we're going to lose, so let's overthrow the government. And they've enacted all these things uh, just to go ahead and get their way. Again, power corrupts absolutely, and these people are corrupted to the core. This is what Jordan Maxwell's been warning about for decades. Uh, this is what uh, William Cooper was warning about before he passed away. Uh, Art Bell talked about this. I've talked about this. Many, many people have spent decades speaking about this. It's happening. It's happening now. Glenn Beck speaks about this on a nightly basis, pretty much. Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson. You know, if you don't want to listen to Fox, well, you're getting your news from fake news. You think CNN has your best interest at heart? Or if MSNBC has your best interest at heart? Those guys don't care. You think anybody actually watches Don Lemon or Anderson Cooper and thinks at this point they're telling them the truth? Or Rachel Maddow? And think that they're being honest with them? Or these folks make up stories on a daily basis, twist and spin stories, and never give the president a win? I mean, the world was shocked a few days ago. I'm talking about shocked when uh, the president was actually given uh, props for unifying the Middle East and bringing peace to the Middle East. CNN had to, like, kind of bite the bullet and say, yeah, that was a good thing. Good thing he did, uh, because uh, we we can't really spin this one. That's kind of how that was left. They, they can't spin it, so they have to give them kind of props on it. Amazing how that works, isn't it? When you can't spin something your way, like Adam Schiff does, you got to kind of give them props on it. Now, check out this phone call. You don't remember the, the Ukraine story that Adam Schiff put out. Just listen to this and laugh. No other country has done as much as we have. But you know what? I don't see much reciprocity here. I hear what you want. I have a favor I want from you, though. And I'm going to say this only seven times, so you better listen good. I want you to make up dirt on my political opponent. Understand lots of it. On this and on that, I'm going to put you in touch with people, not just any people. I'm going to put you in touch with Attorney General of the United States, my Attorney General, Bill Barr. He's got the whole weight of the American law enforcement behind him. And I'm going to put you in touch with Rudy. You're going to love him, trust me. You know what I'm asking, and so I'm only going to say this a few more times, in a few more ways. And by the way, don't call me again. I'll call you when you've done what I asked. That is completely nonsense, folks. Adam Schiff is a liar. The left is being led by liars. And if you don't believe me, just look at the uh, the nightly news and just look at their behavior. Look at Nancy Pelosi, for example. Jesus, talk about liars, huh? Nasty Nancy. This is a woman who uh, gets off on telling people you must wear your mask at all times. You must take tests. And we got to trace, use the science, the science, the trace, the science, stay indoors, stay locked up, can't go out, businesses must be closed, right? This is all she, she talks about. But yet she demanded a salon do her hair. And then when she got busted for it, she what did she do? Instead of taking the blame and say, yeah, you know, I messed up. I, I, I goofed. I'm sorry. I'm a human being. You know, I needed my hair done. Instead of just taking the, the blame and taking the loss, no, she actively went out and tried to destroy not only the woman's company and business, her life. 
Okay, she sued the owner of the salon, or she's attempting to anyway, and she uh, did nothing but completely trash her in the media. Luckily, the folks in San Francisco, I think, are starting to wake up and smell the coffee, and a lot of them got together and did a GoFundMe page, and they, I think, got together like $300,000, some crazy number like that, and uh, they uh, were able to donate that to the hair salon owner. And uh, luckily for for that, she's able to relocate her company somewhere else. And, you know, California is a a toxic waste dump right now. And uh, it's all because of people like Nancy Pelosi and Gavin Newsom and the failed politicians that are over there. So what's happening, a lot of people are leaving California and going to other states and are starting to smell the coffee. I predict right now, I don't care what the polls say. This election is going to be a landslide for Trump. And the reason uh, that they're trying to do this whole rigging of the election on the left and they're trying to do universal mailing and all this stuff is because they know that. They know that they're losing the election. They've lost the, the, the will of the people, really. So what are they doing? They're trying to get criminals. Hell, they're trying to get kids to be able to vote. They're trying to get, you know, the vote from dead people. They're trying to get votes from anybody so they can try to rig this election one way or the other. That's why they're fast-tracking a lot of things. And now they're they're even saying that Facebook and a lot of these uh, social media outlets are going to have a blackout where if you even mention that Trump won the election, they're going to shut your account down. In other words, he could win... The media won't say it. Facebook won't allow you to talk about it. Twitter, Instagram, all these companies are not going to allow you to actually post about it. Why? Because they want to keep it a secret until the rig is done and then they get all the uh, you know other ballots that don't count. And they can rig it towards a Biden victory. And if that happens, folks, if we allow that to happen, then we're really heading for disaster. If you think that Venezuela is bad, just remember, we're a much bigger nation than Venezuela. And we're already close, uh, really close to uh, being in, in, in a point of no return when it comes to the economy. And when it comes to the country, because of the lockdowns and the virus, the Kung Flu virus, I mean, we're, we're in bad shape as it is now. If the Democrats take over, folks, it is over with. Done. Finito. Now, there was a whistleblower that came on, on uh, Tucker Carlson, and her name is uh, Li Ming Yang. And uh, she's a Chinese-born uh, uh, immigrant to the U.S. She had to leave China because she was uh, doing undercover work, trying to figure out exactly where the COVID-19 came from. And folks, you have to hear this 45-second audio piece. It is just absolutely mind-blowing. Listen to this. I can present the solid scientific evidence to our audience that this virus, COVID-19 SARS-CoV-2 virus, actually is not from nature. I work with the top coronavirologists in the world. So together with my experience, I can tell you this is created in the lab. This is from that template owned by China military. And also it is spread to the world to make such damage. 
to make such damage, do you believe the Chinese government released this intentionally, on purpose? Did they do this? Yes, of course, it's intentionally. Yes, folks, intentionally. That tells you everything right there. This is a person who was inside China and put her life on the line. And she laid it out. This is an intentional thing that's happening. And uh, this is what happens when you uh, talk about other possible cures. Look at the doctors who came out saying that uh, hydroxychloroquine is a very uh, good medicine to take if you are coming down with COVID-19. This video was removed from uh, Facebook. And these are legit doctors who, uh, this is not like that crazy lady who saw spirits or aliens. These are legit doctors that have been using um, the hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19. And this video was removed from Facebook and all media immediately. Luckily, I have a copy of it. Check this out. That's very simple, and it should be in the hands of the American people. The difficult aspect of this is that at the moment, because of politics, it's being blocked from doctors prescribing it, and it's being blocked from pharmacists releasing it. They've been empowered to overrule the doctor's opinion. I'm in favor of it being over the counter. counter. Give it to the people. Give it to the people. That's right. Exactly. But they don't want to do that. They want to just uh, destroy anything that is going to help the people. Uh, The president, of course, uh, is trying to see if vaccinations work. And uh, at the same time, he's telling you, hey, look, uh, don't worry about so much about vaccinations. Try to get, you know, this stuff checked now. And uh, let's use what we have available. And hydroxychloroquine is working for a lot of folks. And, of course, they don't want you to know that because they don't want to give the president a win, period. The whole point is to make sure that he does not win because they want to have communism guys and uh this is uh, another audio i want to play for you is mark esper from the uh, department of defense stating that russia and china have weaponized their satellites with directed energy weapons right to the u.s check this out moscow and beijing have turned a once peaceful arena into a warfighting domain they have weaponized space through killer satellites directed energy weapons and more in an effort to exploit our systems and chip away at our military advantage. There you go, guys. You heard it yourself. Mark Esper from the Department of Defense said it. And uh, this is uh, recently as uh, maybe, what, 48 hours ago, 24 hours ago, or something like that, uh, this was uh, put out. So this is what we need Space Force. Uh, this is what we need you know, to help fund the military more uh, and keep them in place because we have enemies out there, guys. And I'm not talking about space aliens. I'm talking about within this world itself who want to harm this country and harm you the individual so when you get on your high horse and you start you know uh you know turn me down for being a trump supporter uh because it doesn't uh you know ring true to your lifestyle or your ideology because you know he may have uh, hurt your feelings at some point uh think about who you you're going to vote for because who your feelings are going to make you vote for actually want to destroy the very fabric of what gives you the freedom to wear that dress and be born a man in other countries they will cut your head off in this country you have the luxury of being able to be whoever you want okay and that's the difference between a Biden Harris administration and a Trump administration let's not forget this is not an ideology just about uh, one man versus the world. This is not a religious ideology. This is an ideology that goes much deeper than that. 
Trump is leading the force of the right. And I'm not talking about just the uh, the Republican right. I'm talking about the right path for this country. Uh, with that, folks, I will be back in a few minutes with my guest, Mr. Mark McKenna, and we're going to switch the conversation to hopefully something a little bit more passive and peaceful and uh, a lot less stressful. And we're going to talk some comic books, and we're going to talk about uh, what he has coming up and how he's keeping up also with uh, the whole COVID lockdown and what he's been up to since uh, the shutdowns happened. And maybe get an update on Banana Tales. You know, that's uh, as uh, kids' books go, man, that's one of my favorites. And I do love kids' books, graphic novels, and comic books. I've been a fan for decades. And again, he's one of my favorites. So with that said, the one and only, the iconic, and uh, the very, very well-worked and tired Mr. Mark McKenna. And I want to thank you for being on with me. I know that uh, you've had a, a very hectic week. And uh, it's an honor to have you back on the show here, especially given that I had to postpone this Sunday, and I apologize for that. Uh, heavily apologize, because I love uh, talking to you, man. You're one of my favorites, and uh, thank you for being here with us tonight. As always, thanks. It's good to see you, and I appreciate you having me on. Now, how are you doing? Because I know, you know, we're under uh, lockdown, as you know. It's uh, scary times these days. Everybody's okay and healthy in the family, and you're doing well? Uh, yeah, we're good. My uh, my mom and my two of my siblings are down in Florida and in the Tampa area. And you know, before you know, a lot of Florida was aware of how bad it was. We were already in the shit up here. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, New, York, New York City. I'm 45 miles out of New York City, so I mean, we were in uh, Ground Zero there for a while. And my my brother would be like, "That's crazy when you guys are doing up there wearing masks and stuff." And then now that you know. They, you know, they caught up. You know, it just took them a little while, of course. Um, everybody's been good, thank God. My mom is 87 years old. She didn't know about wearing a mask, and um, I think she's gotten better at it. Although she likes to flibbity gibbet, you know, she likes to go out <laughs> and she's goes to restaurants and stuff. I'm always a little, we're always a little anxious with her, but you, you know, we only, we're our kids. We don't know as much as she does right <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's funny because uh, i was talking to my dad who's 70 now and um he he came down with covid and uh him his girlfriend my uncle uh his wife and his daughter all came down with covid all in the same week and it all came from the girlfriend of, of my dad uh she yeah. spread a, she spread out the the virus she got it from her family member and um they they were terrified you know, they, didn't, they didn't know if they were going to make it or not and um there's a lot of misinformation that's going on out there and scaring a lot of folks sure. luckily they've you know all come through and not had any uh, major issues and uh you know we've been lucky i've had 13 people mark that i've known uh, who've come down with i suppose of covid 19 luckily none of them have passed away yeah so uh, anybody I mean, get super you know, ill or mostly asymptomatic I feel them, yeah. I feel them have been like asymptomatic. Like my dad mostly was a little bit of coughing, he had a headache here and there, but nothing major. Um, his girlfriend had a pretty bad flu for a few days, uh, but they've done three tests now on them since uh, you know they've gone through the process, and uh, they've all been negative the last uh, three tests. So. Okay. Knock on wood. Yeah, they, they're doing really, really well. Uh, but I'm happy to hear that you and the family are doing fantastic, awesome, and that's a blessing. And your mom, she's, you know, she's uh, living life, man. That's that's all you can that's do at, at this point. Yeah, yeah. The older guys, they, they, they think, you know, the older guys and then the super young guys. It's uh, yeah. you know, those, you know, those giant parties, you know, 
rave parties where there's thousands of people on top of each other. I was in, uh, we were in the Jersey Shore. Can't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, well, you know, they still think they can, though, apparently. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I was on a boardwalk in, uh, in the Jersey Shore uh, about two months ago, and I realized that me and my wife and my kids were the only ones really wearing masks. Everybody was on top of each other. I think we lasted 10 minutes on the boardwalk before we got the hell out of there, you know. <laughs> you know, and yeah, people are learning at different times. It's just a, it is a weird time. I just said no to a, a convention on October 17th. Um, I haven't had a show since the last weekend in February. And, uh, well, that for you is terrible because I mean, you, you know, for graphic designers, for graphic artists, you know, comic book folks, I mean, this is a bread and butter type of thing. I mean, this is where you guys make a lot of money. That is without a doubt. Our convention yeah. season is, uh, I, I average between 15 and 20 conventions or appearances a year. Um, yeah. And I do library appearances, and they, they always pay for an appearance. And then I could sell my books. So those are very lucrative times. Um, I, there's still something happening in December, I think. But the one I just turned down was um, they're having Tony Daniels was going to be there. And then Edward oh, uh, wow. Furlong from Terminator. And it's only, it's only about 25, 30 minutes from me. But I, I talked to my wife and she's like, yeah, you know, mid-October could be trouble still. So, yeah. And I mean, I know a lot of shows are already canceled into December. So... You know, I'm not anxious to get back out there yet, at least. And, you know, you've been to conventions before. The, uh, the Comic-Con fans are not notoriously the healthiest guys in the world, you know? <laughs> I, I know. Them. Look at me. I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but and we, we tend to be very touchy-feely also. And, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're the type to get in your face and ask you for autographs. And we don't, we're not exactly in the... Uh, Best hygiene pool. A lot of us, you know, it's, that, that, that goes for a lot of my uh, brethren in the comic book convention, and uh, a lot of my brethren who enjoy the cosplay. I know a lot of these folks, and let's just say hygiene and good hygiene is not exactly in their forte. I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad you said it. Though. Yes, I, I, know, I know my kind. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I don't know what's happening right now. I just uh, I had some nice trips planned too. I was supposed to be in Grand Rapids. Um, Michigan, I was supposed to be in Knoxville, Tennessee, I was supposed to be in Orlando, I was supposed to be in Redding, California, all those, you know, nothing. No. I mean, are you going to enjoy some of, uh, uh, maybe in the future, some of the stuff like the DC put together with the fandom and uh, some online stuff, are you looking into maybe doing some of that stuff as part of maybe joining a comic book type of uh, online convention? You know, I have done a couple small ones, and they, you know, it's not, I just, I don't feel, I'm not feeling them, you know. I've done them, they, they weren't well, I, don't, I wouldn't say if they were well received or not, or, you know, I just missed a mark on which ones I did, but I wasn't, I wasn't in love with the, the little bit I did, and I'm basically writing, I'm just saying, take a year off the end of my life, and, <laughs> and that's what this year was, you know. Yeah, all. I mean, we're, we're all pretty much writing off 2020 at this point, <laughs> I mean. No, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's no sense really in in, uh, in sugarcoating it. I mean, this is uh, kind of like the year forgotten. Yeah, I mean, I got to see my mom in uh, you know the end of February. I, I actually buy tickets to go see the Yankees spring training game every uh, every year. I go and with my family, and that's my week away. And they canceled this year, you know, the whole spring training. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, I came back just before the whole thing broke out because we weren't wearing masks on the flight back yet. 
but the center seats in the three in the three across were open, and of course that all changed in about a week after that. You know, so what are you gonna do? Uh, so I'm spending a lot of my time focusing on Kickstarter and doing things. You know, trying to create more product. You know. Yeah, it's sad what's happening. I mean, sports is taking a, a huge hit, but it's sad what's happening within the uh, the sports world itself, and uh, and a lot of the negativity that's going on there. But uh, I mean, this is a new norm now. That I guess we're going to have to be used to for a while. Yes. Um, and and it, I find it funny when the media says, "Well, after the election, things should start re- returning back to normal." I'm like, "Wait a second, what does that mean?" Yeah, I don't. What are you trying to say with that there, uh, CNN? <laughs> yeah. well, what are you hinting at after the election? So, wait a second. Does that mean the, the virus magically disappears? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the politicians have the control, right? Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I don't have any clue. Uh, listen, I, I suffer from lupus, and I have my own health issues, and I'm lucky to, uh, to still be alive. Because I always said, if a zombie outbreak or a virus outbreak ever happened, I'm a I'm a fat dude from Miami with uh, with lupus. I'll be one of the first ones to go. I'm waiting to hear your silver lining, man. But you don't you don't have that. No, no, no. Like, and and, I, and I'm in bad health as it is. So you know, I'll be one of the first ones. I, like, if there's a top ten of individuals who might be on the list to like be X'd out quickly in a movie like that, I, I'm pretty much uh, one of the first ten minutes that they're, they're going to okay, be gone. So let's let's say this though: if there was a predator. And he could examine you, and know he had lupus. He'd, he'd leave. He'd leave you alone. Perhaps, or he'd just say, "Hey, look, you know, practice, target practice." <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, actually with 2020 being as crazy as it, as it is, Mark. I'm waiting for like the aliens to come down. That's the next big thing. I'm waiting for aliens, yeah. maybe a comet or something to hit us. I mean, this has been the year of like of craziness and uh, and yeah, nuts. yeah, yeah. I mean, the hurricanes and you know, and you know, the wildfires. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I think the frogs are going to come down next. You know. <laughs> yeah, the, the frogs that are now gay, which I don't know how that works, but okay. how does it determine the frogs are gay? Like, how does that work? I, <laughs> don't, can't they? Uh, they don't need a partner, is, or is that? That's all I have. I have no idea. Stuff, you know. You know, it's funny because Alex Jones used to get like uh, really torched about that because he talked about that years ago. And uh, they're like, oh, he's crazy. He's talking about gay frogs and chemicals in the water turning frogs gay. And then, like, two years later, the science came out in the science uh, journal uh, saying that actually uh, there is evidence to prove that tadpoles are having sex changes uh, when they become frogs. And it's actually something that's really happening. I just oh, yeah. really wasn't crazy. <laughs> Yeah, probably more than I need to know, you know. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, now that we're all locked in, though, I don't, I don't know if you've been doing this, but I've been binge-watching a lot of TV, and I've been catching up on a lot of stuff. And one of the things that I love about you and your work is something that you worked on for a long time with uh, one of the greats, Grant Morrison, in the Doom Patrol uh, project. And, uh, you, you know, your uh, characterization of uh, Flex is epic. And uh, the fact that they brought him into uh, the Doom Patrol TV series is something that as soon as I saw him, I was like, Mark McKenna. i got to reach yeah. out to Mark. Yeah, I was very excited <laughs> to see Flex. Um, and uh, and Dorothy, of course, uh, yeah. the chief's daughter. Um, yeah, little dog girls. Everybody knows her. <laughs> yeah. No, I, do. Yeah. I clearly remember illustrating her. And uh, it's so fun to see that stuff. I wonder, they, you know, I want to see him bring in the Brotherhood of Dada. They're so... Yes, centric. They could do so many cool things, you know. Um, 
and I haven't done that book since 1990, so it's 30 years ago. Um, so when I see something that looks familiar to me, it makes me smile, you know. That was like when they did um, the X-Men Days of Future Past. Not that it was a good movie, but Blink, you know, and, you know, Exiles was when we really introduced Blink to the X-Men universe, you know. Um, I mean, he was, he was already involved, but not to a point where originally it was supposed to be called Blink in the Exiles, and then they, and they changed it just to Exiles. But I don't know, know who she was. So it was always cool to see that stuff, though, you know. Uh, it must give you a little warm feeling to know that you took part in like creating that. It's cool. A long time ago, yeah, that's right. Cool. Well, yeah, I just wanted to see my name in the credits now, and maybe get a royalty check, but I don't think that's happening. That'd be nice, <laughs> <laughs> especially with the whole lockdown situation happening. That'd be a healthy, uh, you know, boost to the uh, to the self economy. Right, right, right. Uh, no, but it, it's funny because uh, you know I, I've you know talked to you in, in Facebook, you know, about the show here and there, and sure. uh, it, it's really a, a well put together show. You know, for the readers of Doom Patrol who followed the uh, the graphic novels for years and have in depth uh, knowledge of how the characters were written and how they've been illustrated over the years, they've done a really good job. And putting together this uh, streaming series mm-hmm. with uh, one of my favorite actors from the nineties, uh, Brendan Fraser, as you know, right. we talked about him, and uh, just the fact that he's in this and he—it's really brought his career back from yeah. obscurity because he was gone after you know the Mummy Three, yeah. done. Like nobody wanted to see him for whatever reason. Because I love Brendan Fraser; I think he's an awesome actor. Okay. And finally, he's getting kind of like his his return to to you know something really meaningful. And uh, the fans have embraced us uh, greatly, uh, you know, at a, at a great, uh, at the, you know, at a, at a great, uh, I would say, uh, depth for what the character, not only his, but the entire series is doing with the extra source material. The fans have really embraced what they're doing with it. It's, it's really cool to see that, yeah. uh, you know, he's having this re- renaissance as an actor. Yeah, I... I- Love it. I, you know, and uh, it is, you know, if you don't know the series, I mean, the book series, you could look at that and go, what am I looking at? You know, <laughs> I, and I, I get it. You know, uh, uh, Blake Northcott, I don't know if she wrote a couple issues of Catwoman. She had just posted on Twitter about, should I watch Doom Patrol? What do you guys think? And I saw a bunch of her, her comments, and a lot of people like, this is crazy. I don't like it. It's a waste of time. And I, they don't get it. They don't get yeah. it. You know? Well, you know, some people just are, are like that. Not everything's for everybody, you know. It is what it is, and everything, no matter how great it is, has critics. You know, that's just oh, the way it yeah. is. Yeah. 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 But I, I personally, I think it's probably like I would say, this probably the second or third best series on on TV right now. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I, the other thing I would say probably rivals it is like The Mandalorian. I love that too. Which, yeah, sure. Oh, that was that's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cobra Kai, which is... You know, I'm, I'm four episodes in. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, Cobra Kai. If you're a fan of the Karate Kid, I mean, you're, you're definitely going to love Cobra Kai. Uh, Mandalorian, Cobra Kai, Doom Patrol. I mean, those are the best uh, shows right now on, currently on TV or streaming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's always fun to, like, watch it and, you know, kind of get that nostalgic feedback and feel. You know, it's and it's cool because these are things that I, you know, liked as a kid. Sure. You know, and it's cool to see that come back now, especially with the Cobra Kai, with the way they brought that back with the original actors, you know, Ralph Macchio and, and stuff, and uh, and yeah, yeah and, and uh, William Zapka, and uh, you know, Chris 
coming back, and they're bringing back some of the old players. You know, unfortunately, Pat Morita is no longer with us, but right. you know, yeah. uh, they still have the the sprinkles of the uh, Miyagi isms in there. They, yeah, they, they show pictures occasionally. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I didn't realize it was two seasons already. I'm only four episodes yep. in the first season. Um, and I know they, they hint at Elizabeth Shue at some point, but I don't know. She never came back, right? She's too big a shot now. Well, let me, I don't want to spoil it for you, uh, but let's just say she is not in season one. I'll okay. say that much, okay? Uh, don't expect her in season two, but season three. Oh, maybe? Okay. Yeah. And I don't want to say how or why, because it's a very, very big spoiler if I tell you why. And uh, if you don't know spoilers on Season 2 yet, I will not spoil it for you. It's really well done. And the the way they're bringing her in is brilliant. I mean, every step they've taken so far has been really good on that show. Yeah. And it's 22-minute episodes or whatever. They go fast, you know? Yeah. It it does. That's why binge-watching it, it's like the best way to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I love about streaming. You can binge-watch a lot of this stuff, which... Also helps with Doom Patrol, even though that's a longer, you know, show per per capita per episode. Right. But I mean, if you if you like binge watching it, it goes like that. It yeah. goes by quick. Yeah, I've yeah. seen the first uh, couple seasons back to back already, a couple a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, I could yeah. Uh, I could certainly watch it again. There's a lot of stuff in there for sure. So, I mean, do you have anything uh, coming up now with uh, Banana Tales? Because, I mean, that's, you know, something I was dear personal to you. And I know that, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, something that is not just personal to you, but it's something that your daughter and, you know, it means a lot to the family also. And uh, it's something that you've been working on for a while. Since I've known you, really, when you debuted Banana Tales years ago. Yeah. I um, So, just before the pandemic hit, um, Angel, I... I was going to run a, a new... I, I was 8 for 8 for Kickstarters. I had. Mm-hmm. I, I was felt invincible. And then I, the pandemic hit when I was asking for 10000 to do the new book. And uh, I, didn't get, I didn't get halfway, and everything stopped to a, a halt, you know. And uh, I realized what had happened. And um, licked my wounds, left it alone a little while, and then I went back and uh, hit it again, but at a lesser amount. I took a little bit of a hit because I know what I needed to make the book paying a logo designer a letter a colorist a pencil artist a production guy and i needed over nine thousand dollars and and then of course the print run is you know cost money you know between that and the print run it was mm-hmm. about ninety four hundred dollars so i figured ten thousand dollars allows you know kickstarter to take their four percent and still have enough to cover but it didn't work right. out so uh, I went with half, and I made. Not only did I make half, I made almost six thousand dollars instead of the five thousand. So it worked out well. And I went back on Indiegogo, and then I raised another twenty-two hundred. So I got sort of got my money that way. I made about eighty-two hundred dollars instead of ninety-four. But I um, happened to have. I got the cover in the mail. Uh, this is nice. The new book, and I don't know if you can see it, but Banana Tail is embossed on it. So yeah. She, he's oh raised. yeah, yeah, yeah! It pops out a little bit. It's a moss. Yeah, yeah, I see it. So, yeah um, you can tell. I did this, and it's just—it's a wrap cover. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it's—I'm um, going to see him uh, Thanksgiving week. They'll be coming from literally a slow boat from China. Um, there you go, our friends in China. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, I think they're going to drop a half a skid on my front on front of my my house, and I'll be. You know, and that's just another thing, you know, um, I don't really have a distribution for it. I asked Diamond if they would handle it, you know, Diamond, mm-hmm. for your, 
you know, your viewers, um, Diamond is the comic book distribution market for basically the United States and every other country in the world, pretty much. Um, they wasn't sure they would want to handle it because, you know, they're known for comic books, graphic novels, trades, you know, games and stuff. And uh, the agent that I dealt with said, I'll ask my director. It might not be in our wheelhouse to do it. And I didn't expect Diamond to sell a 1,000 of them. And part of it is Diamond also takes 60% of cover price. So yeah. It's a, and they also, shipping comes from me. So when I did um, Combat Jacks, uh, I, I made about 40 cents a book. You know, it was no, there's no money there unless you're selling tens of thousands of books. Right. So with this, I know what my markup is, and I might make a few dollars a book, but I, most of my money is going to come from me selling them at shows. Um, I think I had about 90 uh, pledges for the book, but I'm going to get a thousand books are going to be here, so I'm going to be I'm going to be eating them and pooping them for a while, you know. <laughs> Uh, hey, you know, uh, Facebook Live um, has uh, a couple of uh, groups that I, I, I'm on, uh, which uh, people sell graphic novels, artists sell other comics, toys. Uh, Irving Santiago is a good friend of mine who runs a, a comic book uh, convention. Um, he does, uh, he sells toys. He sells a, a bunch of toys on, on that um, group. Uh, that's a perfect place for you to sell a lot of the books. And you'll get definitely a big pop. I mean, well, let me, I follow, I'd like to follow up with you on that when the time comes. Yeah. Toys, I had a box, uh, a Tupperware full of action figures that were loose that my, we played, my son played when he was like eight years old. And they've been sitting in the garage for, I don't know, 12, 14 years. I finally opened them up. I had the spirit in there. You know, Will Eisner's the spirit. I got Samurai Jack in there. I have uh, cool. Space Ghost is in there. And nice. I, put, I put it up on eBay for fifty nine ninety five. Is forty action figures has um, the Power Rangers with the pop up head. You know those kind of characters and just you know kind of a random thing like you know capes, guns, grenades, all thrown in there. And some I had one pledge. I had two hundred and forty or fifty people look at it and one pledge for fifty nine ninety five. And then the guy's like, uh, I can't pay you until next Friday or unless you want to cancel the order and just read and list it. I'm like, why do you, why do you pledge if, if you're not? You can't pay, yeah, it's. Uh, Maybe a little annoyed, but. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't mess with uh, with uh, eBay for that reason because there's a lot of shady stuff on eBay. The, the good thing about the group that uh, my friend's in, uh, when he does the sale, I mean, it's it's pretty much uh, local people that are looking at it a lot of times, um, and he gets. I mean, the group are legit. They they pay. I mean, these yeah, are not yeah. folks that are it, playing around. It's not an auction, though, right? If he wants fifty no. bucks, it's, it's a rate, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You sell it, they buy it. They're good. That's it. They're gone. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah. I wasn't sure if this was going to go fifty nine, seventy nine, hundred, and um, I, I had one pledge, so you know. I'll, I'll talk to you about that while we're done here. Yeah, yeah, I mean that, that's a great way for you know you stay afloat because I know times are hard right now for everybody, so times is tight. Yeah, and, uh, to me it's just like you know we downsized, Angel. We had a yeah. thirty-four hundred square foot home upstate New York. Now we're in an eighteen hundred square foot townhouse, and I mean, <laughs> you know, it's half the size. So you know, yeah. I mean, something's got to give, right? I had the same thing. I sold my uh, three-bedroom house, and I'm on a one-bedroom uh, studio apartment now. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing uh, I'm doing okay here, uh, but the mortgage just got too crazy. My health got a little bit bad, and 
uh, you know, one thing led to the to another. And then I needed surgery for my leg, and I was like, you know what? Let me scale back, and I uh, ended up selling my house. And then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So I was about to invest in another property, and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily enough, I was able to get into this apartment, and it's pretty cheap rent. So and it's a nice, it's a nice studio apartment. So it's pretty good. Yeah, you know, my brother, nice. my my tell you, my brother's in Tampa. They, he's um, put his house on the market, and he got asking price right away. Um, he said you can't keep things are flying down there now because New York City, nobody wants to go back to New York and work, yeah. and they're all blowing out of there. You know, so Florida and Arizona is getting getting a lot of inundated with a lot of people. Uh, and New York is crazy. There, like people are literally like fleeing New York, like millionaires and, and you know blue collar workers. Everybody's just. It's Kurt Russell's time, man, you know? Yeah. It, it's, yeah, that's exactly what it is, Escape from New York. Yeah, it's what it is. And it's funny because uh, people don't want to place the finger on the blame on who really is to blame for what's going on in New York, and it's the mayors and the uh, the governor of New York, Mr. Andrew Cuomo, and the politicians that are doing nothing but destroy. They destroyed New York, Mark. Yeah. I mean, even before COVID hit, New York was heading downhill big time. Yeah. California was heading downhill big time. I mean, these two states that are uh, normally rich and have you know luxury and have uh, some of the biggest millionaires in the country uh, in the country living in, in them are broke. How does that happen? Yeah, it is, management. it's not a good time. I mean, I don't see myself going back there anytime soon. But I, I, you know, I, I'm friends with uh, one of the. Um, uh, Eyewitness News uh, beat girls, uh, Diana Rocco, her name is, and she said she got spit on by a homeless guy, and she thought maybe he had, you know, he had COVID, and she was out of work for two weeks, you know, waiting to see if she was going to be clear, and then somebody else said that there's, you know, there's gangs violence in the streets now that, you know, yeah. you, you're not necessarily safe going around there, right? I have no desire to go back there anytime soon, you know? No, they released, uh, I don't know how many thousands of uh, inmates uh, because they don't want to keep them in prison because of the COVID-19 or whatever reason is. So when you see a lot of the uh, activity and the rioting and the looting, guess who's doing it? Yeah, there you go. It's bad. It's bad, 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 you know? It's, it's sad. It's sad what's happening right now, and it's all on election year. Go crazy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to this year. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm waiting for the aliens to come down, man. This is just yeah. a year of lunatics. <laughs> hey, there might be aliens already that look like us in politics. Who knows, you know? Well, you see some of the folks in uh, Congress and the Senate? I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure about Lindsey Graham myself. I, I think he might be from another world. That's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, but you know it, it's uh, it's funny because it, when you look at a lot of these politicians, it is it, it's, it's like, almost like a WWE wrestling match when you see them going back and forth, and then you know behind the scenes they're all like best of buddies. That's the sad part, you know. <laughs> That's crazy. I am getting tired of commercials already. You know, how many more days we got in this? Fifty, 50 days. Yeah, yeah, and then it all magically goes away. It does, right? Or if uh, you know the the orange bad man wins, as I like to call them, uh, then uh, as uh, some of the folks on the on the uh, heavy left had said, uh, it's going to get worse. Yeah, that's a, that's terrible. I mean, when you have uh, like someone like Michelle Obama, who so many people look up to, saying that it's going to get a whole lot worse if he wins. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a warning. That's not just uh, you know saying, well, you got to be careful. No, that's a direct warning. 
Say, hey, yeah. if you don't vote for our guy, it's going to get worse on you. You know, like yeah, I know they really they're yeah they yeah. I'll tell you, I you know, and if he doesn't win, I, I you know I was questioning one of my best friend, my best friend, and he said said you think he'll go away? He said, oh, he's not going to go away. If he loses, he's going to be hammering people behind the scenes is what he's going to be doing. Which is funny because that's what they've been doing to him since he won. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Remember when they asked him uh, in 2016 if he lost the election, would he concede? And he's like, "Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll see what happens. You know, when uh, when we come around to that, or I'll wait and see." You know, like that was his answer. And they were like, "You see, he's not going to concede." Yeah. He refuses to say, and then like a week later, he's like, "Yeah, I'll concede if I lose." You know, it's no, yeah, he made no big deal about it. But and then they're like, "You see, he still refuses, even though he said he would concede." And then what they they, they started doing as soon as he uh, won, they haven't yeah. conceded. They still Hillary yeah. Clinton is still like running around saying, "How did I lose? I don't understand." Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a mess out there. Uh, I hate politics. <laughs> you and me both, man. I say that's why I love like you know falling back to like the fandom of comic books and movies and stuff. But even that is kind of like eating itself alive. Man, you see what Hollywood and the state it's in right now is like. Oh my goodness, it's like everything's crazy from the uh, pedophilia going on and the people that are coming down and uh, you know making claims about actors raping other actors and. Uh, the Corey Feldman would have went on with him and, and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's a crazy time. Even in Hollywood, it makes yeah. you question, like, you know, our entertainment, our entertainers, and a, a lot of the stuff, the people that we look up to, like, what are the real motives and, and you know, who is feeding their, their careers? Rose McGowan, who came out and uh, talked about Harvey Weinstein, for example. Sure. Oprah. And Michelle Obama were on, like on his uh, the Harvey train for years, and uh, you know they they promoted, loved, and endorsed Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. and you know everybody in Hollywood knew what was going on there. I mean, yeah. even I knew what Harvey Weinstein was about, so mm-hmm. it was like it was no shock to the system when I heard what he was doing right. because everybody knew. So if right. these people knew and they still loved them, what does that say about them? You know, like yeah, start asking that. Uh, I hear you. Yeah. yeah, I, I, um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff I, I, I hear and then I don't hear. And you know what I did hear today? Did you hear the, about the She-Hulk? The actress is going to be playing She-Hulk on the no, but I know they're doing a She-Hulk uh, adaptation. I they just announced um, the girl from Orphan Black. Oh, Ch- cool. Chana Maslani, her name is. Yeah, the 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 transgender girl, right? Oh, uh, is that like, I don't know if she was transgender. Yeah, the uh, uh, the oranges of new black. No, no, show, right? not that, not that girl. Oh no, no, this is uh, orphan black. It's, it was. Uh, oh yeah, no, I remember that show, but I, I never really saw it. Had four or five seasons. She had like yeah. a, a bunch of different um, clones. It was basically a cloned her seven different times. So she was a Russian girl, uh, a yeah, Russian yeah. assassin. So she she's was, playing the She-Hulk, but well, I mean, she, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. five foot four and she's cute as a button, but she's not um, Gia Carano, the girl from The Mandalorian, who would be yeah. great. Right? She would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, she's a big, brawny, good-looking girl. You know, this one's five four, I, and I don't really follow the She-Hulk a whole lot. She's not like Bruce Banner turning into the Hulk. She's right. always She-Hulk, right? So yeah, how's that gonna work? I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe they'll do like the Hobbits in the Lord of the Rings, where like yeah. they, you know, like they make them look 
bigger instead of smaller in this case? You know, like they, yeah. No, I don't know. We'll see how that works out. But um, they don't stub their toe a whole lot, you know, Marvel when it comes yeah. to studios at least. So we'll see how that goes, you know. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, the passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman? And uh, that Sh- was shocking. You know? Yeah, I read about it and I was like, "This can't be right. This is a mistake." You know, um, it was just it was odd. You know, it was just odd. Uh, of course, we watched the Black Panther the next day. You know, again, you yeah. know, just to see how regal he was in that. You know, tough. Tough times. Yeah. It's been a, a weird year. We lost him. We lost Kobe earlier in the year. And, of course, all the, the stuff we talked about here in between. But, uh, you know, that that was a really a tough blow for, I think, everybody in the comic book community and in, in the movie fandom that likes Marvel movies. Because, I mean, that movie was groundbreaking in a lot of ways. For sure. Uh, Black Panther, I mean, not only because of what it represented, uh, but because it really was the first movie that the African-Americans embraced with a, a black superhero, yeah. uh, which we, it's not the first time it's happened, but it's the first one they really fully embraced and right. and looked at as an iconic hero for them. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, you've had Blade, Spawn, you know, we've had other superheroes, but this was like the one, you know, like they're yeah, Superman. Yeah. Yeah, I just finished reading the, um, the Stan Lee uh, bio uh, by Danny Fingeroth, you know, um, I would, I, you know, I love Danny, and, you know, I'm a big Stan fan, but wasn't a page-turner I would be, because a lot of it is he speculates, like, what yeah. would have happened if this happened, or... You know, he talks about, you know, having to create the Black Panther, and how Stan at the time was very aware of it, of the environment, and, you know, culture, and stuff like that, and... Um, but, you know, the Black Panther I know is just kind of like Captain America, he's just a bouncy, kind of uh, aerobically, you know, fit guy... Uh, and then they, in the movie, he's got the, the, he's got the what do you call it? Admantium. Is that admantium? What's the metal? Uh, it, yeah, it's uh, a, 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 a adamantium or something. Yeah, adamantium. adamantium. Yeah. That's the thing that's the. Not, is that the? Wolverine? It's the same thing they make the uh, Captain America shield from. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a moon rock. <laughs> no, no, it's adamantium. Well, I, I can't remember the name. <laughs> but I mean, he had all kinds of. I mean, he was powerful you know in that in the movie so they've definitely made him more regal in the movie that he was in the in the comics that's for for sure he was more king-like uh which was a little bit of departure from the comic uh but it chadwick i mean he really fit that characterization really really well uh it's gonna be hard them moving on because they had black panther 2 already greenlit yeah yeah we don't know what they're gonna use now right yeah yeah I mean the one I, the one person that comes to mind uh, just from watching Tenet recently is uh, Jonathan oh. uh, Den- Denzel's son Jonathan Washington, and uh, it, it's funny enough because uh, Black Panther was helped be, to be produced by Denzel Washington, oh, and uh, Chadwick Boseman is actually was good friends with Denzel Washington and uh, was part of uh, I guess a, a training class for for actors with Denzel and he was. Yeah, he was under his umbrella for a little Story. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so imagine if his son takes over now. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Did you see Tenant already? Yeah, I actually caught it. Uh-huh. It It's brilliant. Yeah? He's, yeah, yeah. He's, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a big Nolanite. I'm a big... I'm guilty. I'm a Nolanite. I know it's a... Uh, some fandoms consider that to be like a four-letter word, but not me. I love Christopher <laughs> Nolan's movies. And uh, it's right up there with probably his best work. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's really good. Have you seen it? No. I Is it on, what is it, $30 on pay-per-view or something like that? or? Yeah, it's on VOD. Uh, it's on limited theaters now. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I went to a theater, and I was like, there's like 10 people in there. And everybody's wearing a mask, and I was one of them. Uh, and I went by myself because I was like, you know, that you know, it's one of those things where everybody's scared to go to movie theaters now. Sure. And right now I'm single, so I was like, yeah, what the heck? I'm gonna make a, a night of it myself. And I went in and saw the thing. And, and it's actually one of those movies as a fan you want to see by yourself kind of at least once because mm-hmm. there's so much stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Then you really want to pay attention. If I'm there with my girlfriend or with a girl or something, you know, chances are I'm not be fully focused on the movie. You know what I yeah, mean? I understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've done those single movie things. I mean, yeah, I, mostly because uh, my wife won't go to horror movies with me or uh, monster movies. So I'm always yeah, that too. Winging it, you know. <laughs> 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 no, but that's definitely one of the, if you can catch it, uh, if you don't have to go by yourself, watch it. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because uh, the commercials have been a little misleading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you, you think you're going to see a movie about time travel and time warping. and That's part of the plot. Uh-huh. But the the overall plot is the action and what happens within the action, the characters, the way they develop the characters throughout the the movie. Uh, it really is the most important thing because when you watch the entire movie, and I'm not going to spoil anything for you, by the way. I want you to watch it and go in with as much open-mindedness uh, of what you're going to watch as possible. But uh, there is uh, definitely a lot of characterization, a lot of character development in the movie. And the plot of the time travel and the way time reversal works within the plot is weaved in perfectly. I mean, you know, Nolan has a way of doing that where he'll take a theme and then he'll put the human element, he'll put all the other other elements in there. And he'll kind of make it all, like, blend together. And, And this was, like, Masterful work. I mean, uh-huh. it really was. He's the mountain. He's the bomb for sure. Yeah, I know. We, we like to think of him as a genius uh, in my circle. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, in fact, uh, there was. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Glass, Brian J. Glass. Uh, yes, I know Brian. Okay, he's, he's also a good friend of mine, and uh, he's. We were talking about uh, that earlier, where uh, he's also a big Nolan fan. Uh-huh. And we're, we're talking about uh, you know possible movies going forward for Nolan. And one thing I've always wanted to, for him to tackle is Star Wars. Mm. And the reason is, you know, he he, he was uh, in an interview with George Lucas a few years ago where he interviewed Lucas, and he and he even dropped it in there and he said, "Listen, the reason I became a director, Christopher Nolan." is because of Star Wars 77. When I saw that movie, it changed my mind on what movies are, how they're made, and it made me want to become a filmmaker. Yeah. And he was inspired by Star Wars, which yeah. I am, you know, yeah. a huge fan yeah. of. That's perfect, yeah. Yeah. For me, it was uh, Ralph Bakshi's Wizard, Wizards. Do you remember that one? Oh, I, yeah. Oh, I was cool. an animation major when I started out, before I became yeah. a comic book guy. And Ralph Bakshi was at at our uh, School of Visual Arts. I graduated in 1982. He was there in 1980, and and he had uh, sh- he had he had showed us um, the Lord of the Rings that he did, the animated Lord of the Rings. And, that was uh, really cool because they had like stop animation and it had like you know footage. The, what he yeah, it. and what he did is he basically uh, drew over live action and it had that right. kind of feel. Um, worked a lot, worked a lot, but then sometimes it was missed, you know. But 
He was innovative, and the wizard stuff was uh, yeah. dear to me back then, yeah. And I was animation major till uh, before computers. And that, back then it was 770 drawings for one minute of hand-drawn animation. <laughs> and my uh, I was losing my mind after 200 drawings. <laughs> I barely got a guy scratching his head for 200 drawings, and I was like, oh, this is a long hassle. And then I ended up meeting the, uh, the, the uh, chairman of the illustration department, who said, you know, what are you going to do? I said, I don't think animation's for me. He said, um, what do you want to do? I said, well, I started out wanting to be a comic book artist, and I lost my way. I went into animation. He goes, well, you know, um, Sal Almondola is the new talent coordinator at DC Comics. He also teaches perspective at the, at the school, at the college. He says, you want me to hook you up with him to meet him? I said, yeah, let's do that. Went up to DC offices, and then my life changed, you know. Yeah. Three months later, you know, I was uh, getting a call from John Romita Sr. to take a job at Marvel, even though I started at D.C. at these classes. I used to go to from Long Island Railroad. I would go into New York City, go to D.C. on Fridays, and then after I was done on Friday afternoon, I would go to Marvel and drop my samples off there. And then John Romita called me up and offered me a gig there, which I passed on it twice because um it was back then it was four dollars and fifty cents an hour uh an hour that was big money back then <laughs> yeah it was like and um you know commuting from from long island to new york every day probably would have cost me just as much as i was making on a weekly basis you know so yeah. so the third time he said to me you know what you know, you want to take this job? I said, I want to take this job, but I can't afford to take this job. And he said, what if I was able to give you assisting work? And I said, that would do it for me. And then I started assisting Vinnie Coletta and Al Milgram and Brett Breeding and Bob Wyacek. And uh, I did, a, you know, just a bunch of guys and uh, learned that way, you know, until I got my Bob Layton for a while. And then um, I got my own gig at D.C. back, you know, in uh, 1987, 86, doing Dr. Fate. And then I stayed on contract with DC for four years. And after Doom Patrol, I don't know if, this, I don't know if you know this, but um, Dr. Strange editor called me at Marvel and said, we want to get some of that Doom Patrol energy on Dr. Strange. Would you want to do Dr. Strange? And I quit my contract at DC. <clears throat> I went over and jumped ship in 1990, 91. I was on Dr. Strange with Roy Thomas. And Jackson Geis, and then we brought over Chris Marin, who was doing Wonder Woman, and I stayed at Marvel for the next, you know, bunch of years. That explains a lot about Doctor Strange. How they definitely became a little bit more like Doom Patrol over the years. Uh, really? Yeah, they the influence. You get, yeah, you can tell the influence is there. They brought you know Werewolf by Night in there, and um, yeah. that fun. They even did one of those uh, crossovers with the Infinity Gauntlet, get uh, uh, Silver Surfer and. Adam Warlock and Doctor Doom in a couple episodes, you know, episodes. Talking like it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much fun was watching uh, Doctor Strange for you when they finally made that movie? You know, I uh, I was just watching it again the other day um, on one of the TBS channels, and they showed that where Dormammu, that giant head, you know, yeah. and um, and he's this little tiny little thing, you know, and uh, I clearly remembered illustrating a page with that visual and I felt like I should take the movie still and put it next to the comic book page and it would, it would ring perfect you know um, still might do that though I haven't done it but it was cool, a cool concept 
that'd be nice. That'd be nice. That'd be very, uh, very neat to uh, see that come to life by the man himself, Mark McKenna. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it's fun uh, to look, to look back and uh, and see some of like the stuff you worked on, uh, you know, come to life in, uh, in all these mediums. That, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, the uh, Robert Pattinson casting, for example, in Batman coming up? You know, uh, I don't know. Good or bad? I mean, I never thought Michael Keaton was a good Batman, and then he was a good Batman. So yeah, go figure. The only problem I had with Michael Keaton, and, and it wasn't Michael Keaton, it was Tim Burton. Tim Burton used to say, you know, if the guy is Bruce Wayne and he's a big muscular guy, you're going to know he's Batman. So he tried to play it off like a small little five foot eight guy could be Batman, and I thought that's not how Batman is. He's not some guy who. Like Superman, he puts on glasses, he hunches over a little bit, and you can't recognize it's Superman, you know. Um, so I thought he was a little off when he said that in an interview. Um, but Robert Pattinson, I don't know. It seems like it's going to be a dark, uh, dark movie, right? I mean, they're going like, like, you know. Well, it's it's going to be very gothic and uh, noir style. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which actually, I, I think the way that Matt Reeves, the director, is kind of like putting it together uh, is kind of a little bit darker than Batman Begins with Nolan, but it's more, you know, akin to, like, that style of Batman uh, filming, mm-hmm. uh, even more than, like, what Burton did or what, they, what Snyder was doing with uh, his DCEU. Um, so it's going to be a little bit more towards what I think Nolan was doing, and I think the reason they're doing that, and this is just my observation, I think in if this movie does well, <clears throat> big knock on wood on that with everything going on, but if it does well enough to merit sequels, uh, they're really talking about doing a Joker sequel mm-hmm. that uh, they came out with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And my feeling is, uh, down the line, Joker 3 is going to have Pattinson's Batman, and it's going to be a crossover between those two. Because mm-hmm. they already said that uh, with Snyder and what that's happening with the Snyder cut, is going to be reintroducing more alterations to Batman. We're going to have Michael Keaton return as Burton's Batman. And, you know, there's going to be other incarnations of Batman they're not talking about yet, but they are putting to rest Ben Affleck's Batman. So who's the next guy in line? Patson. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to hear him... When he was what, the guy in uh, Twilight, did he have an English accent in Twilight? I don't know. Was he? Not really. No, he does a pretty good American uh, okay, voice. So that's yeah, I yeah. Yeah, no, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, Bale is uh, British also, and he did a, a fantastic job as Bruce Wayne. I mean, you couldn't tell. In fact, Bale is such a method actor, and this is funny, Mark. Uh, he stayed in character. Even after post-production was done and he was doing interviews promoting the movie, yeah. he would do it in an American voice. He wouldn't use his original accent because yeah. he wanted to keep the illusion that he is Bruce Wayne. Sure. That he that's, is Batman, and he kept that's, that's on with it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> took it home with him, you know. That's pretty yeah. wild, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking, what about this um, Snyder Cut uh, Justice League? What is that supposed to be about? I really haven't followed what's going on with that. Well, when uh, Justice League... Uh, was being filmed originally 
you know, Snyder had a little loss in the family. His daughter passed away. Oh. And, uh, yeah, he took some time off and then eventually dropped out of the project, or at least that's what we're told. It turns out that there was players behind the scene at Warner Brothers, the one that had seen him removed, because they didn't like the uh, original four-hour cut that he saw in the movie. Mm. Um, it, now, mind you, the movie wasn't finished, special effects-wise, post was still not done yet, but they saw roughly a four-hour cut of what it was going to be trimmed down to about two and a half hours, mm -hmm. and they just didn't like it. Uh, so they replaced him with Joss Whedon, who, of course, had just come off of the Avengers and all that and uh, all that success. Mm -hmm. And then the movie came on; it was just you know horrible, and people didn't like it, and right. uh, critics tore it apart, fans tore it apart. So for the last, few, um, I would say, the last two or three years since the movie came out, there's been a huge like uprising on the fandom trying to get the Snyder Cut released, which is really just the the cut left by Zack Snyder with all the effects finished and you know all the, all the things that he was going to put in there. Mm -hmm. And it went from that project to now it's becoming a miniseries. Oh, okay. or instead of, yeah, instead of being just a movie, it's going to be a four, uh, it's going to be like an hour long each, and it's going to be cut to four to five hours. For what, the DC streaming? Or? Yeah, for oh. DC streaming, yeah. It's going to be on HBO Max. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, they're spending about thirty extra million just to get it finished. Oh, so, what's the ETA on that? Um, it should be out sometime next year. Oh. Yeah, Zack Snyder has been working on it for probably the last year. Mm -hmm. uh, now, of course, with COVID happening, you know, it's, you know, he's on to get to get the actors coming in like he wanted. Uh, but a lot of them are doing voiceover work, and there's going to be a lot of CGI to you know mix in the uh, old footage with what they have. Uh, they wanted it to finish, and uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna make a run at it. The important thing is it's gonna it's gonna lead into the Flashpoint movie that they're gonna put out next year, and that's gonna reset the entire thing. And they're gonna have Michael Keaton return as his Batman, as an older Batman, obviously, and he's gonna start popping up like in all these movies for DC, like uh, Nick Fury for for Marvel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's going to be uniting a, a lot of the new members for the uh, Justice League and, you know, like a lot of the stuff moving forward. And I, I think one of the things they're, they're going to uh, eventually do, which they're hinting at, and I, I think it's pretty much confirmed at this point, is they're going to end up doing a Batman Beyond film mm -hmm. with cool. Michael Keaton playing Bruce Wayne. Oh, interesting, too. Oh, that cool. yeah, yeah, they, cool. yeah. Right. That's what I'm really interested in, because if they do the dark 89 Batman uh -huh. As the Batman Beyond, that'd be a perfect way to end the trilogy yeah. for Michael Keaton. If you think about it, yeah, man, they need they need to get it right, you know. I mean, most yeah. of this rough, you know. And and of course he is Batman, as he uh, tells everybody, <laughs> Michael Keaton. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because he did an interview and I, I cracked up and they asked him, uh, "Well, what are your thoughts of uh, of Ben Affleck as Batman when you know Ben first uh, got ben cast Affleck. as Batman?" Yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, "Who?" And it was like, oh, Ben Affleck. And he's like, he's not Batman. I'm Batman. What are you talking about? I'm Batman. Yeah. And uh, everybody had a good chuckle at it. And this is, of course, when he was being uh, cast as the Vulture for Spider-Man. Right, right, And right. everybody was like, it was funny because he went from playing Batman to Birdman to the Vulture. Now he's all the way back to Batman. Yeah. So he can't get away from the bird. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's going back full circle for him, uh, which is it's awesome because I mean I loved his uh, in, you know his portrayal of uh, Batman and Bruce Wayne, even though at first I was like Mr. Mom Beetlejuice really, <laughs> right. that's who's playing Batman. I, mean, I was a kid back then I didn't know any better, but I knew him as Beetlejuice, 
And I was like, that's the guy? Yeah. Really? That nice effing model dressed as a Beetlejuice? That's Batman. Okay. Tim Burton. Okay. And then I was talking, and I was like, that's Batman. Yeah, that's that's the guy. Yeah, that, was, that was awesome. I remember the first time seeing that on the screen when he, he drops down on the rooftop and all, you know. That was good stuff, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. so there you go. I mean, Pattinson could do it. Maybe he made it work out well, you know. This is one thing that I took away from the trailer for the Batman with Pattinson. Uh, the one line he gives where he says, uh, they ask him, who are you? And he's like, I'm vengeance. Yeah. And if you know the way the rest of that goes, I am the knight. Yeah. I am Batman. Yeah. If you know the rest of that goes, just, you know, they only give you the very first part of that. But when you hear that in theaters, as you and in, in the trailer, they kind of like hint that they're going to say it. Because after he says, I'm Vengeance, you see him like popping up in the screen in front of the same like villains. And you get to the last reason to deliver the rest of the line, but they cut it right there. Yeah. And I'm as a fan, I've wanted to see him say that in the theaters in that order. Yeah, for years. So yeah. if I'm going to get that, even as you know, Twilight Pattinson, I don't care. Right. Batman is going to say it finally in theaters. The only thing that I have uh, against the you know the Batman incarnations in, in silver screen is the fact that his eyes are still not all white. I mean that that boggles my mind. Sure, that's a good point. Actually, every time I did Batman, he's always with the white eyes. That's right, true. and they still don't do it. I don't, I don't understand yeah. why that is. Yeah, that's a good point. That's the only knock on uh, the the thing so far, but so far it looks really good. Uh, you know, I know we're short on time here, but uh, you know, I want you to uh, you know to tell us again how to get a hold of you for the uh, fans who want to like support the work. Sure. Um, I you know I love again you know the, the one you've done in the past, but I want to definitely uh, promote the way you do it in the future so we can help you out also and uh, and help uh, you know get the word out. So please take the time to uh, tell everybody how to get the hold of you and how to get the book. Yeah. So okay, so um, the new the new Banana Tail book will be out uh, for um, Thanksgiving, I think, November nineteenth. Uh, you can go to bananatail.com and order it there. Uh, it, it retails for uh, twelve ninety nine, so thirteen dollars in shipping. Probably medium mail shipping is probably four or five dollars. Um, I'll probably offer a special edition where I'll I'll draw in the side of inside of it and personalize it for another five ten ten bucks or so. And then uh, the other thing I have that um I this is I did, I ran this. Uh, I don't. Do you know about the hardcover? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I raised uh, over nine thousand dollars to do this, and uh, it's a collection of the hundred and forty pages, you know, of the of the mini series, and. Um, I still have a ton of these, but you're going to go to combatjacks.com and order these. Or, you know, you can reach out um, on, on Facebook and say, uh, I need some copies. I'll probably be discounting these at some point because I want to, I have a garage full of them. And maybe make a deal where you buy, you know, one for the adult, one for the kid. You buy a banana tail book, I give you a deal on the, on the these because these retail for $20. Um, working on a new Combat Jacks book, it's called uh, Combat Jacks, uh, codename 88. 88 uh, it's, it's, it's uh, basically a Yeti a Eddie the Yeti story um, uh, the uh, abominable snowman is not an indigenous creature who lives in the Alps uh, in the Himalayas it is a man-made government uh, creature and seven of them had failed and Yeti the Yeti is number eight and that's why it's codenamed 88 and uh the Jacks at the end of the miniseries um, planet 
and I, I think people, you know, kind of doesn't survive the planet and shards go flying across the universe. One shard ends up in the Himalayas and it creates a very um, warm-like atmosphere in the Himalayas, which is all snow. But um, the jacks start to thrive there and they start to build up a little jack-like nest there. And, because, and the government knows that something landed over there and they send a team uh, up the mountain with, you know, the Eddie to mm-hmm. kind of like sniff it out. And it becomes kind of like humans versus jacks versus him, you know, abominable snowman kind of a thing. And I'm going to do it as a four-part, uh, 48-page uh, square-bound comic, like a prestige nice. And I'm going to use four different artists to do 12 pages each. So my commit each the commitment by each artist isn't overwhelming. 12 pages, you get in, you get out. I'll give you, uh, you know, I'll pay everybody. Um, hopefully, uh, an okay rate based on what I can afford, you know, at the time, right? Whatever I make it. And I also uh, tune into those artists' uh, fan base. Mm. So guys like uh, Fernando Ruiz, who did Archie for a long time, or um, uh, uh, there's a couple of South Americans, Francesco, Franco Cespedes, who's down in Costa Rica, wants to work for me, and uh, Geraldo Borges, who I did uh, Rise of Arsenal, JLA, Rise of Arsenal with, he wants to do some stuff. I have a list of about 10, 10 different guys. I just had to see who can I, who can I afford, who wants to do it, and I'll put that together. <clears throat> and then the next thing I'm going to do after that is I'm going to go back to Banana Tail, and I'm going to create a... Um, short story book, compilation of Banana Tail short stories, two, three, four, five page stories, and I'll do a collection. I have about ten stories already. I'm going to probably add another ten. It'll be a nice little collection, you know, like a treasury type of thing. And um, so, because I keep moving with that, you know, I, I, I still think that Banana Tail's destined for greatness. It just yeah. hasn't found the audience yet, you know, so I'm keep still pushing that boulder up the mountain, waiting for someone to help me with it, you know. Yeah. Now, some some of the great work sometimes takes a, a decade uh, you know, to to really go and find its audience. So. No, I mean, I you know, I have I have a piece of paper hanging up somewhere that says Doctor Zeus had twenty four rejections before he had paid her. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think I'm at twenty yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a it's a fantastic series for kids. I really is uh, Combat Jacks, Banana Tales. Uh, I mean, these these are great books, and uh, it's a it's a a change from the norm for a lot of the kids who get nothing but violence and all these, uh, you know, crazy, uh, you know, books that really they shouldn't be reading at, at some of these ages. So, you know, these are like really well thought out and, and you know, beautiful artwork uh, along with a great story you guys are putting together. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, those are still things I'm working on. Uh, I'll, I'll continue to do that. I'll continue to do conventions. Um, you know, and and I'll, I, you know, other than that, I, uh, I was, um, I'm trying to think of what else I had. I had this, uh, I did a, 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 do you know about this book, Tomb of Balmerith? Yeah, I've, I've, I haven't read it, but I've seen the, uh, the cover now. Yeah, and, uh, I did yeah. this rap cover, um, mm-hmm. with, um, I did it as a homage to the old, uh, black and white, yep. the old black and white, um, DC horror books, Vault of the Terror. The old gothic DC uh, style yeah, comics. I yeah, I love that stuff. And I did that. Yep. I, I created a little studio um, with a bunch of new artists. Uh, and uh, I let them all 
do 12 page stories where they create their own monster and um, it was fun uh, I don't uh, people say to me you can do another one and I go it was kind of experimental for pe- for me to offer my services to somebody who might have money and an idea to do a book and I'll put it together for you but it really didn't bear any fruit um, I'm not saying it won't at some point I just you know hands in different pies right now but, yeah you know, um and then, you know, Marvel still sends me, I just got a compilation the other day of, uh, what was it? Oh, I did the Conan. I did, remember they did the Jason Momoa Conan uh, movie? Yeah, the movie, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Dark Horse did the adaptation, and I got brought in to do part of Oh, that no kidding. Book. Oh, yeah. I know you were involved in that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so Marvel uh, just pre- uh, released a Conan uh, trade paperback with, the movie adaptation, and you know, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I make some money on that. <laughs> I'm surprised that movie didn't do that as well as uh, it should have. It was a pretty decent movie, and Momoa did a pretty good job. I mean, he's no Arnold, you know. Who is? No, but, you know. no, yeah, yeah. He was very slim in that. Actually, he had muscles, but he was on the slimmer side. Yeah, I was a big yeah. fan of the Robert E. Howard Conan books. So I always thought of him as a beast. You know, I just every yeah. time Arnold opened his mouth, he didn't really snarl very. <laughs> you know, he didn't quite have the. The Conan voice, but um, he did have the look, though, you know. Um, yeah. So yes, and uh, you know, I still get uh, Doom Patrol royalties every time Grant does something new. They re-release all that stuff, and that's always nice. Uh, I had a hundred pages in the Venom collection, the Venom nice. bus, something they call it. Yeah. So they had run the Along Came a Spider miniseries that I did back in '93 or so, and then um, uh, backup stories that I did in there too so that was so Marvel and DC still you know I'm never going to be completely destitute because <laughs> I have 600 books that are getting reprinted at some point or other you know um, so I'll make my nickels that way you know has technology made it easier for you as an illustrator to uh, do your work with technology uh, only in a sense of that I can print out blue lines now um Whereas I don't know, the, the, my famous story is that uh, Easter, I want to say uh, 12, 13 years ago, uh, an editor called me at DC and said to me, um, Can you help me out on an issue? It was the Justice League Rise of Arsenal. And I said, uh, Yeah. I said, Where are the pages coming from? They said, Brazil. I said, So I'll see him in three days? And they said, No, you'll have him in 10 minutes. I said, What just happened? You know? Wow. Sending me high resolution <laughs> scans. But I wasn't prepared to print out blue line boards because yeah. I didn't have that technology yet. I had I actually had sent they sent it to me. I sent it to a friend who printed it out and then sent it to me. So until I figured out how to buy a printer, a scanner printer that could do that. Um, I don't use Wacom tablets or Cintiqs to ink. Still very hand, you know, very hand oriented. Old school, stuff. yeah. Yeah, no, I I love that. In fact. I'm doing a piece right now for a the Inkwell Awards. It's uh, I'm inking an Ivis Ivan R R E I S Reich Ivan Reich Ivan Reich Yeah Ivan Reich Yeah He uh, he did a Justice League piece and um, Yep This uh, one piece he did they have 24 different inkers inking them uh, and they're going to be you know they're all donated to uh, to the Inkwell Awards and then they're going to collect money and they give out a sponsor cool. scholarships and stuff like that and that's a real challenge for me right now because there's a lot of really good guys out there still that you know are yeah. work and taking my time with it and that's you know that's coming out nice too 
that's really good to hear. Uh, Mark, I know we're, we're out of time, and uh, I love having you on, man. I know you're you're tired. I know you want to get to uh, <laughs> to to bed and get and catch some Z's. Do me a favor, though. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, let's catch up more often on the show. You know, you're one of my favorite human beings, let alone a guest. Thanks, man. On the show. So. Uh, yeah, I wish you the same. You know, please stay healthy down there, and um, you know, lupus. It's tough, but, you know, I've had it for a long time, and uh, luckily for me, uh, you know, I've uh, had very little side effects so far, so. Good. Let's you know. keep it that way, yeah. I don't know if you noticed, my voice has changed a lot over the years since you first met me. Yeah, you had that um, Barry White voice going on now. Now, right? Remember when you first met me, I had more of a, like, a squeaky clean boy band voice? <laughs> you don't want that. No, it changed. That was the lupus. Actually, uh, lupus uh, caused me to have a thyroid uh, issue uh, blow up, and uh, for a while there, I lost my voice and I stopped doing the show because of it. And uh, now I've come back with this very deep, very, very, very whitish voice. And now the ladies are like, "Oh my God, your voice!" And I'm like, "Well, maybe this lupus thing is actually an enhancement and not a detraction." Yeah, hilarious. Yeah, but and they, they love my voice, and then they see the face, and it's like, well, on no second date. Damn it. Uh, you have a nice head, though. <laughs> uh, uh, good dome on top, yeah. Good dome. Yeah, Mark, man, I, 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 go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I'm saying I appreciate having you on. I, you know, I'm, I'm tired until we start talking. Now I can go, you know, I, I, I won't stop now, you know. <laughs> I know, I know the feeling. Trust me, uh, but I don't want to keep you up. I, I definitely love having you on, and we got to catch up again sooner and uh, have you back on. I'm doing the show now Thursdays and Sundays, not just on Sundays, so it'll be easier to you know to book more and more people. And I, de- I definitely want to catch up with you more often. And again, just do me that favor. Stay safe. Uh, make sure the family's safe, and and uh, God love you and God speed to everyone over there. And uh, you know, stay blessed, my friend. Thanks. Thanks so much. Cheers. We'll talk soon. Peace. Yep. Take care. And there we go, folks. That's the great Mark McKenna. And I'll be back on uh, Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern, as always. And then again Thursday next week, now on 10 p.m. as well, on the Jackal's Head. So, till then, the shop is now closed. Stay safe, stay sound, and by all means, stay alive. Stay alive.